Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Eating Alone in My Car show with your host, So Sad Today. Um, today I'm having some edible flowers. No, just kidding. I'm actually, I've got cottage cheese. Um, I didn't even mean to do it in honor of my dad. It's just like my, my Jew taste buds. I didn't mean to do it in honor of noodles and cheese, but, um, I just like grabbed a little, a little, uh, 1% cottage cheese, pineapple cottage cheese. It's pineapple cottage cheese. Um, before I hit the trail today, leaving the home a couple minutes ago, um, just grabbed it. It's riding side saddle. No pickle today. Just me and my cottage cheese, me and my pineapple cottage cheese, you know, it's like uh, Butch Cassidy and the Cottage Cheese Kid. I'm prepared for anything. Um, but yeah, so I'm having that. Um, well, I'm not having it yet. I'm just sort of... I like I like before the food has been, like, opened. Before You know, the moment before it's begun. There's that... There's that um, John Milton, the Milton o- Ode on a Grecian Urn. Ode, to a Gre- Ode on a Grecian Urn. Ode to a Grecian Urn. Um, I've talked about it on here before because I only have like five things I really talk about. Um, you know, one of them is shame. The other one is the Grecian urn. Um, and so, so on uh, Ode to a Grecian urn is, um, you know, it's that moment there's, there's a, there's, there's two people on an urn and well, this is my interp. This is my version of the Grecian urn. So there's two people on, on a Grecian, on the urn. They're frozen in time because it's a sculpture and there's one of them is is the, it's a man and a woman and the man is standing the woman is like you know jogging like running or whatever and she's ju- the man is reaching out and he's just touching her shoulder and the woman is just turning around to look at him and it's like you know they're gonna fuck you know but it's like the before fucking moment which is like the best you know like it's not, for me, it was never, it was never the having sex with, with, with strangers that was as exciting as the, um, doing my makeup with samples at Sephora beforehand. Like that was my ode to a Sephoric urn, you know? And likewise, while I do, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be a little crazy not to love a pineapple cottage cheese. Um, you know, while I do love a pineapple cottage cheese in the moment, love the first bite, the moment before when you've just got it, when you've just got it and you're just, you're fing, I'm fingering the lid, you know, you're just, you're just gently touching the soft, the soft little plastic lid and all the cottage cheese, all the pineapple cottage cheese is left to go. You know, it's really, I understand why people have babies, I guess, because it's like, there's an innocence, you know, there's a freshness, there's hope, anything could happen. It's also why I, I, I continually and repeatedly go back to the internet. Um, even though there's never really anything there, um, you know, the light that when, when I look at my screen, that light, the light of potentiality, something could be about to happen. That's going to change fucking everything, or at least my dopamine receptors, you know? That's, I don't know. It's my favorite. I, I love anticipation. You know, I love the moment before the moment. 
Um, and I think probably actually a lot of my um, things that I do and, and enjoy can be traced back to um, the moment before something happens. You know, the Grecian urn of it all, the, uh, the, the pre-pineapple cottage cheese of it all. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a huge, I'm not a baby person. Um, I like puppies, you know, I love puppies, but, but I get it. You know, the baby, it's like anything could happen, right? Like the innocence, the innocence, the world is the oyster. So I get it. You know, I guess I get why people propagate. Um, you know, I, I, that's not for me. I'm just going to stick with my cottage cheese here. Cause the, you know, I think the thing is also is like with, with, with things like decisions, you know, there's something like you, you could, you think the decision through and, you know, with things like the internet, I never think it through to the fact that it's just going to be, um, trash. I never think it through every time, every time I'm like the light of potentiality, the light of hope, you know, my, Eureka. But I guess with babies, I am thinking it through to the extent that I'm like, I kind of already see the baby as like, like just another asshole already kind of a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, eh, it's already an adult and like, you know, making more, making more trash on the planet. And I'm not even pretending to not have children for, for environmental reasons, but you know, I'll take my, I'll take the little dregs of sanctimony where I can get it. You know, I'm like, yeah, fuckers. I'm an environmentalist because I don't want to have kids. Sure. Yeah. I can, you know, I can, I can attribute, I can attribute my, um, my lack of having, you know, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's what most, most sanctimony is anyway. It's often, it seems to be, it's often just like things you're not by accident that you then, that one then like takes credit for, you know what I'm saying? That's what it seems to me amongst the sanctimonious. And of course, sometimes you are that thing. Sometimes you aren't even not that thing, you know? And that's, and that's why I love the, when, when, uh, the busting of the sanctimony. That's why the sac- the busting of the sanctimony, you know, the canceling of the sanctimonious, you know, for me, I always feel like, I'm like, does the person deserve to be canceled? Well, if they're annoying, then yes, I feel that they, they, you know, to me, then yes, absolutely. Um, if I don't find them annoying, um, then no, no, didn't deserve to be canceled. You know, it's really just about, you know, I, I don't think I, I'm, I'm no scales of justice. I'm not the scales of justice. I'm just, um, annoyed by a lot of stuff. And so today I was actually trying to think, I was like, is there anything that's like, I was like, is there anything that's not annoying? And I couldn't think of anything right now. I think every, everything is annoying. Um, everything is annoying. Um, oh shit. Wait, hold on one second. I feel like some of my crankiness actually is, um, grief. Like I'm like, oh, is this the anger stage? Like I know the stages don't really come in order. I think this that stages of grief, grief were actually originally created, um, to be about the person who is dying. Like that's the stages, but so it's not like, you know, every grief goes through that linear path, but anger, like I was like, why would, like, why anger? Like where would the anger, I mean, I guess circumstances definitely, but anger like hadn't hit me in any way, but I guess this is like my version of anger is like annoyance. Um, like I feel like I just, (laughs) I also feel, I mean, one thing I just, I tweeted this, 
like one thing that is nice about like losing um like someone you love so recently is like I'm I feel like I have just like I don't I don't feel bad about saying no to shit that I don't want to do um although I still do feel bad so then I feel like I like over explain like I'm like listen I'm like, you listen to me, person asking me a favor. Um, no, but I say it, I kind of, like I say it, no, it's, it's amazing. Like, it's way too much information to be like, well, six months ago, my father, you know, or like eight months ago, whatever. Like, my father was in an accident and then hospitalized and then, like, he died and then I have, no, I can't blurb your book. I can't blurb your book. I can't blurb it. I'm very behind in blurbs. I get, like, I get a couple blurb requests a day. I just, you know, and instead of just being like, no, I'm sorry. Like, I'm a human being. I don't have, like, ten eyes and ten arms. Like, I I feel like, I guess I still don't feel like I deserve to say no to anything. So I'm like, incant the father. I'm like, bring him in. I'm like, dad, help me get out of this one. When in reality, I don't even need. Like, I could just say no. Or I could just say, I'm sorry. I'm too, I'm too crazed. But I almost feel like. I don't know. It's just like such an incredible defense. It's like, actually, actually, I have like, no, like, no, I've got death. I've got death here. I've got death here on the other line. Uh, I've got death on the other line and death. I would love to, but death says I'm not supposed to be doing any blurbs for a while. I'm sorry. Um, I also feel like I've been getting sort of like a little bit annoyed at, well, so, okay. On the plus side, I feel like two very close friends of mine have just told me this week that, and this is like, I'm not annoyed at, that, that they want, one of them lost her father when she was young. One of them lost her mother a year ago. And like, both of them just came out of the woodwork to me this week to tell me that they've like, just started like having a relationship with their lost with, you know, with their, with their dead parent, whereas like they hadn't before, like it just started happening for them, which is so cool. Cause it makes me just feel like I'm part of this crew. Like one of my friends, um, went to a psychic and, um, she, and like the psychic was like saying all, you know, there was like a lot of amazing things, but she said something about dragonflies and she, you know, she's like, look, your mom says to look out for dragonflies. And my friend's like, what, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what the no like dragon like my mom didn't give a shit about dragonflies like what and then she went to her her mom had a house in new jersey like a beach house that i guess she it was like a small like a cottage or something that she and her wife and their daughter now go to um and they like went and she cleaned the whole kitchen and she like goes and does whatever she comes back in and there's like a fucking dragonfly like light catcher or things just sitting on the counter and Uh, her daughter's like eight so she didn't do it her wife like definitely like what the fuck is that and then like there was um and then she goes into her daughter's room and there's a set of dragonfly lights on the bed I mean that's some heavy shit that's like some that's some like hocus like I'm like damn like her mom's pulling out all the fucking stops Um, so that's really beautiful. And I also have another friend who her father died when she was a child and like, she's been skeptical, skeptical about all that kind of stuff for years, but she just had some experiences like that. So that's really nice. Because I feel like I have this, you know, in addition to my sister, I feel like I have this crew, you know, in terms of like, like this new experience I'm having. Cause I couldn't have, I didn't know it was going to be like this. You know, I didn't know that I would feel a connection 
such a deep connection or I, I don't know, I guess I did. I just didn't know, you know, and I talked about how I feel like I even that like I, the message was clear that my father wasn't going to be gone, gone, right? Like that I'd always have a connection to him when, um, you know, with, with the, when the essential Lenny Bruce book and the Shakespeare book were on the table with the sunbeam coming in the window, you know, that like, I do feel like that was my higher powers way of being like, yo dude, like it's all good. And I do feel like my father is now like, you know, like it's all part of the state, like they're like, like it's all that it's my team, right? It's like my crew. Like, you know, there's like, you know, the lost loved ones. There's like my higher power, whatever. I don't have to like break it down. I don't know how entities work, but I do feel like it's sort of all coming from the same place. Right. So like, and I also feel that I'm able to have this relationship with my dad now that he's gone. Um, because I, I have been kind of almost in training in a way for many, many years, you know, needing to have a higher power to stay sober, like, believing in something I cannot see, having a relationship with something I can't, well, sometimes I can see it, you know, sometimes it manifests, but I really, it really is like, I I really do believe that it's like, you believe in God, there's God, you can see it everywhere. Don't believe in God, no God, you know, like it really is, kind. it's really like up to us, like it's our choice, you know, and it's all about like the vision, like it's all about the intention and the vision. And so it's been just really cool to have that with my, with these two friends. Um, but then like, so that's in like some deep simpatico, but then I also have like all these, I feel like the past week or like two weeks, like all these people, like a couple, maybe like three, maybe like two, I don't know, but it felt like a lot. Like people are like, Oh, did you know? Like, like our mutual acquaintance, blah, blah, blah is a medium. Like you should really go to her. She's really great. And I'm like, let's just say her name is um, Stephanie, right? Let's say like the person. And I'm like, Stephanie is a fucking like disaster. Like, I don't want Stephanie, like, like, I don't need any guy, you know, it's kind of like the older you get trying to find a therapist. Like it's, it's hard, right? Like you need somebody who's like, I mean, look, there's no perfect human beings. And like, I don't expect my mentors or spiritual guides or whatever to be like, you know, I don't expect them to be, um, perfect you know, cause there's no perfect people, but it's like, I feel like some, some mediums are probably messier than others. And I'm just like, I'm not giving Stephanie my money. I also sort of feel like I probably will like do some, go to a, like a medium, not any of these people, but like, I might actually go to my friend's medium, the, the dragonfly medium. Cause she sounds really cool. And I, she's not a mutual acquaintance, um, at some point, because I feel like the one area where I could really clear some things out is just still like relieving myself of some of, well, that's really just what I have to do for myself. It's like, you know, just feeling like when I, when I talk to my dad's spirit, like not feeling shame, like not feeling any need to, like, I feel like you don't need to tap dance for your angels, but you know, I feel like I have to kiss God's ass and my angel's asses, not like in terms of like being good or pure, but just like, you know, it's, it's, if you walk around feeling like you're not enough, then like, you're also not going to be enough for like your dead father's spirit and your, like angels spirit, you know, like your guard, you're going to feel like, wow, my guardian angels are kind of judging me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't, I feel like I'm being judged by everyone because I, I'm judging me because of the not enoughness. So, you know, it's like the not, I mean, I don't think like a psychic's going to like rid me of the not enoughness, but I think it could really be interesting to see what kind of messaging I get, you know, maybe there could be something like healing in that, you know, I don't know, but I also feel like, I don't know. I kind of feel like a good like any like spiritual teacher, like I feel like a good psychic or like a good 
will kind of like teach you how to or like help you to communicate yourself, right? It's like teach a man to fish. Like I don't need to be like like that's actually what I liked about the Long Island Medium's book. I haven't finished it yet. I'm moving very slowly, but that's actually like why I've I've been enjoying it because it's really about like it's not like you got to come to my show and like I'm going to tell you like only I only I can communicate with the dead, right? It's like actually um you can like you can you can talk and like there's nothing you don't have to do anything special. Like, you don't have to yell. You don't have to have a seance. You don't have to have a Ouija board. All you have to do is, like, think of them. That's it. And they're there. You want them to be there? You think of them? They're there. You know what I'm saying? That's what's, like, really cool. And I kind of feel like, so for, like, a medium, I don't know. I just, I'm, like, not getting involved in any, like, eight-week, you know, programs where I'm, like, giving all this money to a medium to be, like, was your favorite father's color? Was your father's favorite color blue? You know, I've always also, this is like me being, I think this is just, I think I'm a little, I think I'm a little skeptical. I'm not skeptical of, of like that it's a, that it is a gift. Not at all. I believe that, you know, it's like, whatever. There are people who are really good at things, right? Like people who have a gift. There are people who are, are, have a, a much clearer, um, kind of channel to different realms and can help us make sense of them. Totally believe that. But I think it's when money gets involved that it's just like, you know, because I worked in like a new age, like fucking racket when I was in my early twenties and I had been like such a just believer and was just like, anybody fix me, you know? And then I like worked at the tantrics. If you read, if you read the So Sad Today book, you know, like the tantric sex nonprofit that I worked at, you know, and everyone was just like so fucking lost. Like, and it was just like, the teachers were just like so lost and there was like so much boundary, like no boundaries, like zero boundaries. Right. And it was just like, and it it always became about money and, um, not that people don't need to earn a living, but I think, you know what I'm saying, right? It's like spiritual materialism. Like when it gets, I don't know, I just, I'm not going to Stephanie. Sorry, Stephanie, not going to you. Um, I'm like, Stephanie needs to be like doing her own healing first. I think Stephanie needs to do a little of her own healing, but, um, yeah, but so, so that's what, but that's, so I, I do. And I feel like that about all my spiritual teachers, right? It's kind of like, like, you know, it's like, I forget who said this, but it, it was like, you know, there's, there's finger, like there, you know, the finger right of the teacher is pointing to the moon. And it's like, we get so stuck on the finger. We're like staring at the finger and we're like the answers in the finger. It's like, no, 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 the answer's not, they're just pointing to the moon. A good teacher's pointing. They help you see, right? And then once you see the moon, like you can, you know, hopefully like get back there, look at it again. Um, and so that's, I don't know. And so that's like, that's how I've always felt about like the best spiritual teachers for me, right? It's not about, they have, they're a vessel, they're a channel, right? Just like the best writers, like some of my favorite writers, like they, well, do they get out of the way? I don't know. I like, I have to say I am, oh, I wanted to tell you. So I've recently, aside from, um, the Long Island Psychics book on grief, which I haven't, um, finished reading yet. Um, cause I'm just moving very slowly. I'm doing all of her exercises. Um, I don't recommend it. Like I'm not recommending it. Like it is what it is. I'm sure there's much better books on like grief. I just found that they were all annoying me. And this was the one, you know, it's kind of like getting, grief counseling from like Carmela Soprano. Like I started with the audiobook and it was like Carmela was giving me like grief and I, I could hear it, baby. I could hear it, you know, very down, very down to earth. 
and then I got the uh, print book because I wanted to just like read it slower. But um, I recently read two books and I just came upon them. It wasn't even like that they um, it wasn't even like I was looking per se for grief books, but two one two books that really fucking helped a bitch out. Um, the there I just related to them a lot. I just related to them a lot. Um, one and they're it's both by um, it's funny because. Now, like, I notice, like, I'm like, oh, it's two men. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, it's two bros. And, like, I hate that I even have to think like that or feel like that. You know, like, can it just be two humans that I connect to? But I'm like, oh, it's, like, two. I don't know. I don't like that. I don't believe in that whole, like, look, I can spot a fedora bro from, like, a mile away. You know, like, I I can sniff one out. But, like, to a certain extent, I'm just like, dude, if I connect with the art, I connect with the art. Like, who fucking cares, right? Like, what they are. Um, like two straight bros, you know, but whatever. But so one of them, so one of the books was, um, suspended sentences by Patrick Modiano, the French writer. And, you know, I feel like if I had come upon this book a year and a half ago, I would have been like, like, I would have just like taken a fucking nap. Like I would have been so tired and bored by it. So, but the time that I came upon this, it was like the perfect time in my life. It's all about like memory. And like, sometimes when I'm reading these books that are like a, you know, a tale of like memory, I'm like, uh, why do I like, do I really care about your like childhood memories? Like maybe, you know, like I don't always, but for whatever reason, it's like why I love Elena Ferrante. Like the, I love the lost daughter and like, I love days of abandonment, but why like the Neapolitan books, I was kind of like, all right, like, I don't know. I just wasn't there. This, so this book, it's a quiet book. It's a quiet book, but I like really loved it because it talked a lot about just like this certain state of mind, this certain feeling of almost like compulsion to like track down certain memories having to do with, well, for him, like his father, like he just is like the character. It's a novel, but I mean, I think it's like thinly veiled, but it's like, he's like obsessed and, and really also this need to like get the memory correct. You know what I'm saying? Like, what was it? What was it? And like, I didn't really experience that until like now, like, I'm like, wait, was this the Macy's that I took my dad to buy underwear and socks at when he left his carry on bag at the airport? And then as they were getting on the plane, realized he left it and but then they had already taken it to like the bomb squad. And so he flew and had no clothing, you know, and then we went to the Macy's. Was it this Macy's? It was the, the, the weekend my niece was born. Was it this Macy's? Like, I need, I need to know, you know, like, I need to be clear. I guess it's about, like, so little is left. You know? I'm like, where were the underwear purchased? It's like, so little is left, you know? But, um, yeah, there was this one. I'm, we're going to do a little, just a, a mini reading. There was this one paragraph. Um, yeah. Cause he's like, he talks about, he's like, it was my father's world. Right. And it's like, when you grow up, you sort of, I feel like growing up, like I looked at my parents' world and I was sort of like, eh, like I could, I could give her, t- like, I'm like, ah, oh, that's like old. I mean, I like sort of thought the sixties were kind of cool, you know? And I definitely went through like my hair phase and stuff, but like my, I knew that my parents like were not at Woodstock. You know what I'm saying? Like my dad like smoked his fair share of weed and like, you know, he went out to San Francisco and like saw Otis Redding and whatever, like, you know, he, but like my mother definitely like was not part of the counterculture, you know, but, but so I could kind of, but just a lot of other things and my grandparents world, right? Like I could kind of take it or leave it because I could take it or leave it. 
But then when they die and you kind of can no longer take it because it's gone, then like, I don't know, there's like, I have this new hunger sort of for it. Like, I'm like, oh, I always thought that this would be like, kind of like their annoying stories would be like my grandparents, you know, like I always thought the stories would be like available to me to either like give or take, you know, like they could be ignored because they were so readily available. I didn't realize they'd be like, like this whole world would just be like gone. And like, you know, philosophically, I'm just like, well, like everything changes. I mean, you know, why, like, you know, why do we hang on to the past? Like what is more sacred about like one generation than any other generation, you know? Um, but there is something, um, about sort of like, um, I don't know. There's a weirdness. Modiano calls it like being in a, like you go into a black hole when you start to feel like I talked about this in the apple pie episode before I I lost my dad, like long before, but the McDonald's apple pie episode, like I thought McDonald's apple pie was just like a fucking, like a monolith. Like that's how McDonald's was going to have their apple pie forever. Like I didn't even quite, and I, I didn't eat McDonald's apple pie like that often, but I, I was like, when I go to get McDonald's apple pie, that will be the apple pie. And then I like show up at McDonald's and like, that's not the apple pie anymore. Like they've changed the apple pie. And I'm like, Oh my God, everything fucking changes. Shifting sands. What I thought was like a terra firma is not. And, um, I can only imagine as you get older, it gets, um, more intense. But so there's this one paragraph in the book, suspended sentences where, um, he talks about sort of how he comes to under, he has, he, he talks about how when he was young, he, met this photographer who seemed, who was much older than him and who seemed like very kind of detached from his own identity and from his own world and sort of had like given up in a way. And, um, you know, and now looking back now that he, now that Patrick Modiano is an older man, like he looks at the guy, like he can look back and be like, Oh, I understand that feeling. And he's, so he's, he writes that evening we had walked by his hotel and continued on toward the care for, care for Montparnasse. He no longer knew which man he was. He told me that after a certain number of years, we accept a truth that we've intuited but kept hidden from ourselves, out of carelessness or cowardice. A brother, a double died in our stead on an unknown date and in an unknown place, and his shadow ends up merging with us. I just love that, right? It's like nothing is familiar nothing is familiar and it only gets, it only gets less familiar. So, so the other book, um, is, uh, by an author who has, who is, I guess, I don't even know if he, like, whatever. I don't know if like, I fucking love Philip Roth. All right. Like I love him. He gives me joy. He gives me comfort. I did not read his biography or even get into the whole kerfuffle around it. Um, because, like, I don't give a shit about, like, whatever. Like, I wasn't going to re- I don't know. I just wasn't as interested in reading someone else. He has an autobiography, The Facts, which is not his whole life. But I'm like, I'd just rather hear from the horse's mouth. Like, I don't need to hear this other bro's whatever. And then, like, I know, like, the other bro got canceled. And, like, you know, I don't know. He was, like, molesting students. I mean, horrible. But, like, I yeah. So I just, I wasn't even involved in that. But I know Philip Roth, obviously, is, like, whatever. He's, like, a little he can be controversial, but I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I fucking love Philip Roth. Philip Roth has helped me. Philip Roth has brought me so much joy in my life. 
so much delicious joy, so much literary Newark Jew of a certain time joy. Um, and so I read his book. Um, my husband just happened to have it cause he has the whole, he has the whole Roth collection. That's why it's one of the reasons I married him. My, he, he has, my husband's library is pretty fucking sick. Um, and so, um, I gotta say we like, I mean, when we moved to California, there were like box, like it was like half the truck was books. Um, he's like a tchotchke and books person. I could live in like alone in like a blank empty room. But, um, but so I picked it up patrimony. It's about, it's Philip's tale of like, um, the loss of his father, um, I guess his father was 86. Um, and also, okay, so his father goes through a lot of stuff, but I'm also kind of like, honey, like what Bob Broder went through was like, it kind of made me realize, I was like, oh dude, my dad went through some shit. Like he went through some shit, like the stuff that he, like the light, all the kinds of life support shit, like that stuff that like Philip's like dreading doing for his father. And I'm like, oh yeah, my dad was on a feeding tube for six months. He's like dreading that his father, I mean, it just made me kind of, I mean, that would, that, that's like the, the tip of the iceberg, but um, you know, what did I love about this book? It's not for everybody. It's absolutely, I mean, no book is, um, what I loved about it is, so Philip Roth is, was like, I guess maybe 10 to 13 years older than my father, probably th- I think he was 13 years older than my father, but it's like still of the same crew. Like Philip's father really reminds me of my father's father. Like there's just like a Jew of a certain age, a certain time. It's a very tuna salady, earthy Jew, you know, like Phil's dad tried to open like a shoe store, went bankrupt. Then he worked, I don't know, as like an insurance salesman. You know, my grandfather, my dad's father worked in a shirt store. He sold, he didn't even own the shirt store. He just sold the shirts. You know, there was something, I don't know. And it's just like, I know they both like a nice piece of stone fruit, you know, like there's just, so there's a, there's a feeling there is like, talk about the lost world, right? Like there is a feeling of there's, it brings up like a a warmth and a memory of like, not just my father, but my father's father, you know, and grandma Eve and like that whole world, which has been like gone to me for a while. Like when I read the book, it just, you know, and he's sort of like, and he's also sort of like, there's a lot of like making fun of it too, but like in a, in a very loving way. Cause actually like, you know, he talks about how his father like will tell these stories as though, like, as though he's talking, you know, as though he's talking about great moments in world history. And it's about like, you know, his family as immigrants, like in Newark. And I'll tell it to like anyone who listen. And he just talks about like how when his mother and father were on vacation, like Gentiles would just be like fleeing the scene when he would like launch into a story. But But then you see, like, throughout the book, as, like, his dad, you know, as he has, like, less time with his dad, he's starting to, like, hold on to the stories more. Um, But he still makes fun of it. It's it's very funny. Um, But so I just, there's a couple parts I was just, um, I brought, I have the book with me. Because I was going to go sit at the park um, and reread and make some notes about it. But, um, I mean, there's so many things. Like, one is just, like... Okay, so his father, like, gets rid of his tefillin. Like, his father isn't, like, a religious Jew, you know? And he, like, gets rid of his tefillin and, and which is, like, the Jewish, it's, like, the, um, it's the, the prayer. It's, like, the phylacteries and prayer. Um, actually, wait, the tefillin are the, are the fringe, right? I think it's the fringe. Um, hold on, let me look it up. Tefillin is... 
I always forget if it's, oh no, right. It's those black. So it's like the black boxes, um, that, and then you wrap the strands around, um, your arms. You've probably seen them, but anyway, right. And they have verses of the Torah in them. It's sort of like a mezuzah that you like tie to your hand, I guess. Um, but so, so his father like wasn't religious. So his father was always getting rid of stuff, like always purging stuff like compulsively. And he got rid of his tefillin and he regretted it. And Philip's like, where'd you get rid of it? Did you like give it to the rabbi? And he's like, no, I left it in an empty locker at the Y. And then like Philip's like, you know what? That was like the perfect place. He's like, wait, let me just, he's like, Philip wrote, nothing would have been more artificial than going with the tefillin to a rabbi. Even if the rabbi had been a hundred with a beard down to the ground. Yes, the locker room of the Y, where they undressed, they schwitzed, they stank, whereas men among men familiar with every nook and cranny of their worn-down, old, ill-shapen bodies, they kibitzed and told their dirty jokes, and where once upon a time they'd made their deals, that was their temple and where they remained Jews. And then the other thing he says is, the understanding was that this was where his tefillin would come to no harm, where they would not be profaned or desecrated, where they might even be resanctified, was in the midst of those familiar Jewish bellies and balls. Like, my grandfather was just like, so the why. Just like, so the why. So going swimming at the why. With like, Saul. You know? Um, other things this book gave, I mean, this book gave me so much, just so much and so much joy. But um, one thing was um, where he talks about the experience, like writing about, because you know I've had some, like, misgivings and feelings about, like, writing about my father or um, even just talking about him on here, you know. And um, so he had – there was one night where he had um, a dream that he is um, – that he dresses his father. Like, he – so when they bury his father, he decides to bury him in a shroud, even though his father wasn't religious. And then he has a dream that his father's like, you did the wrong thing. You buried me in the wrong thing. And so he says this. I, oh, and he says, I had, I had dressed him for eternity in the wrong clothes. In the morning, I realized that he had been alluding to this book, which in keeping with the unseemliness of my profession, I had been writing all the time while he was ill and dying. The dream was telling me that if not in my books or in my life, at least in my dreams, sorry, this is like very spoiler, but oh well, I would live perennially as his little son, with the conscience of a little son, just as he would remain alive there, not only as my father, but as the father, sitting in judgment on whatever I do. You must not forget anything. Um, so yeah, just like I loved like him. He's like, it's like, oh, well, this is like, this is what the fucking writer does you know, like, this is what the writer does. Like, it's just what we do. It's just what we do. Um, there was also a scene that I loved where his father, so his father's always like, try, like he's always, his father's always like, yeah, my friend sold mortgages his whole life. Can you help him get a book deal? He wants to like write about the mortgage business. And so like, he's like, I know this author and Philip's like, uh, and he's like, well, can you give him some tips? And he's like, there are no tips. Like you just write, you know, which I so identify because like, Oh my God. Like my, one of my uncles like came to me with this like packet of like his friend had been like an undertaker, which is kind of cool. I mean, I would like to read a book about like a funeral director, but gave me this like sticky folder of like all these, um, like all these forms, like all these like old, like undertaker paint, like for like papers from the funeral home. Like it was sort of like his research, like, I don't know. It was like a dossier of things that, you know, like how in nonfiction books, they'll have like pictures and stuff. 
in the middle. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? I was like, I'm a book publicist. Like, I'm a book publicist. Like, I, what am I going to do? Like, what do I do with this? Like, drop this on an editor's desk? This, like, stinky envelope of, like, formaldehyde forms? No. But, um, so he brings, so anyway, so his father brings this Holocaust survivor to dinner and he's like, show him your number, show him your number. And I was like, oh my God. So, cause the Holocaust survivor has a book, but as it turns out, it's not like a Primo Levi book or like a Elie Wiesel book. So the book is about how he survived before he went to Auschwitz, like how he hit out much of the war by being like the only man left in Berlin. Cause like all of the Jews were obviously like gone and all the Jewish men were gone and like all the German men were like in, were like soldiers. And so he's like, so he's like this, he's like, so Philip's like reading it at the table, just like quietly to himself. So the guy's like, I wrote it in German. He explained the translation I made myself, but my German by now is not that good. And my English when I write is only so, so I'm giving it to my daughter to fix the English for me. Okay. And then Philip goes, this is what I read. My member was enormous once again, and we had only finished. My fountain of juice flowed into her delicious hole. Her lips descended upon my swollen prick. Oh, do that to me again, she said. Oh, beloved, again. Her dress fell, revealing to me tits more magnificent than Barbara's and bigger than Helen's. I came. She came. It was a delirium. Uh, She was starved for a man, as only a woman of 35 can be in wartime. She bathed, (laughs) and then Philip's like, and meanwhile, I thought, there was a holocaust going on. She was starved for a man as only a woman of 35 can be in wartime. She bathed me in her tub. While the water drained, I leaned back. As though it were a 10 course meal, she fell upon my penis. So he's just like, basically, he's like, Dad, um, what you gave me is like pornography. Like, you, like, he's like, he makes me look like fucking a nun. Um, And so it's this like old 90 year old dude who had like been a baller, and that was how he had survived um, the Holocaust. So it's just like a lot of funniness. There's also like, I don't know. There's also parts where he talks about how his father, like, his father only had, like, an eighth grade education. I mean, my father was um, educated, but, you know, his father, um, I think, barely graduated high school. And I know Grandma Eve, I think, dropped out in, like, 10th grade. And, you know, but the vernacular, right? Like, he gave me the, and, and Philip's father, I think, dropped out in after eighth grade. And it's like, he's like, he gave me the vernacular, um, like unpoetic and expressive and point blank, he says. And that is something, I don't know, I also feel like being from Philly has really impacted my writing. And obviously my, um, gives me like a not classy accent. But anyway, there's just so much about this book. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on because I just, I loved it so much. Um, it's not for everybody at all, but I just adored it. So I guess like in the meantime now, like Philip Roth is kind of my medium, like, right. Like Philip Roth is like connecting me to feeling like it's okay for me to, you know, be sort of exploring this stuff. Like, you know, like Philip Roth is giving me, I mean, I'm not getting like my father's blessing to like write about this stuff or talk about this stuff. Um, but, like, I feel like Philip Roth having his own guilt about his father, I'm sort of like, oh, okay, like, this is what we do and this is what it is, right? Like, it's never going to be, like, yes, like, you have, like, it's never going to be, like, um, it's never going to be, like, 100% I feel okay about, but it's also, like, like I feel okay about telling some of these stories or, talk, you know, 
um, talking about, even though like I am talking about my experience with my father, it's still, there's probably always going to be some, eh, but at the same time, like I'm a writer, this is what I do. Like, this is how, this is what I do, you know? And, um, so in a way like that sort of what I, cause it's some, cause that is definitely something that I would talk to a medium about would just be like, is it cool? Like, is it all right? You know? Um, so I feel like Phil has given me that gift and also just in terms of like connecting me with like a lost world, you know what I'm saying? Like in terms of connecting. So Philip is my medium. Sorry, Stephanie, but Philip is currently the one serving as my medium. Um, and it is what it is. And, you know, I don't know, is, is liking, is, is publicly admitting that you love Philip Roth still? Is that cancelable? I remember there was like something, some interview I did where they asked me like all these, it was some stupid thing. It was like a content generator for somebody, but it was like, you know, like they're just like, we need content. We're going to ask a writer what they think about stuff and no one will read it, but they'll, but she'll tweet the link and maybe like five people will click on it. So like, um, and I remember like I, they were asking me all these questions about like, I don't know, just like wait, styles of reading. What is your reading process? Like all this shit. And I was just like, but so they asked about a book that I love to reread. And I said, Philip Roth, Goodbye Columbus and, um, and five stories. And they didn't include that in the interview. So actually I just did another interview that was like a similar type thing, but it's not with like a lit blog. It's like, it's with, um, what's it called? Oh, inner interview magazine. I don't know if it's still a magazine, but interview, I guess it's called. And it's, you know, they definitely, I guess, I guess they put it on their website. I'm not sure if they still have a mag, but you know, they're, I guess like they don't really, they're not as like in on the lit scene to know about like fill in the cancelables or whatever. So, or whatever, I don't know. They haven't run the thing yet. So maybe they will not run it. But so they were like, what's your favorite book to reread? And I was like, goodbye Columbus and five stories. And I'm just like, fuck it, dude. I fucking love, I, I love, I love Philip Roth. I'm sorry. I do. He has given me so much joy and comfort, peace in my life, happiness. Not every book. Sometimes he can be annoying. But I would say, like, Sabbath Theater, Goodbye Columbus, Portnoy's to some extent. Portnoy's helped me write. Portnoy's was definitely, like, impacted Milk Fat. I'd say, like, those are my faves. I mean, Sabbath Theater's probably, like, my all-time, my ultimate fave. Um, And then... Um, and now I'm, and I loved patrimony. I loved patrimony. So there you have it. I don't know. You know what? I'm like, I'm too tired to be canceled. I'm too cranky to be canceled. Um, also I'll just be like, my dad died. Like, sorry. Like, no, I'm not being canceled. Like, no, I'm not gonna, no. Like, okay. Like I, I'm, I've, I've decided I'm not going to be. Thank you. Thank you very much. I like Philip Roth. Mwah. Um, oh, before I forget, I was going to, I was going to wish you a week of, of not getting canceled, but I should, I should do my promotion thing. So Tuesday, Tuesday. And anyway, both of the, wait, one one other thing I want to say, those two books, I wouldn't say it's for everyone. You know, like if I had picked up that Patrick Modiano book, like again, like a year and a half ago, I would have, it would have been a real snooze factory for me. I would have been like ambient, you know, it would have just like, I would have, I would have fallen the fuck to sleep, but I loved it. I loved it. So sometimes it really is timing and just when you come across things, you know, I also feel like I wouldn't have had, and I always loved Philip Roth, but I wouldn't, I don't think I would have had as much of an appreciation for patrimony. Um, not nearly. I mean, reading it now was like just a fucking gift. 
was such a gift. Um, and so, I don't know. It felt good, baby. Um, but anyway, all right, let me, let me do my, all right, self-promotion. Here we go. Um, number one, milk fed coming out in paperback on Tuesday. I want to make a Philip Roth prayer candle for myself. I think I, when I did, um, promotion for the hardcover of milk fed, I made this like cute little like thing at home, like a little like altar. And then I like, I like to like make something and then use like the Photoshop free phone app. And I made up I had, a, I had some prayer candles in it and then I made one look like it was a Philip Roth candle, but I prayer candle, but I actually think it would be fun to have a Philip. I think I'm going to make a Philip Roth prayer candle. Um, okay. So I can be really canceled, but anyway, so, um, so I digress milk fed coming out in paperback Tuesday, which is I think the August 3rd. That's number one. Yay. By all means. Um, you know, consider it pretend it's my um what's that thing where people what do people do now they have what's that thing not Substack. Substack's one of them but also what's the other thing where they patreon pretend that's my patreon pick up a copy of the paperback and be like i'm patreoning her she'll get like a dollar out of this out of this you know 11 dollar book but so but it's just you know support the arts support the arts um the other thing is the following week tuesday the 10th of August, um, Super Doom, my anthology of poems, like greatest hits is coming out. Um, and I am doing an active though short, but active pre-order campaign for that. So what I'm doing, okay, this is, this is the campaign. I am, if you buy, if you pre-order Super Doom, well, first of all, if you pre-order it from book soup, you'll get a signed copy just FYI, because, um, I did a lot of signing of copies from, so you'll get a signed copy if you pre-order it from BookSoup, but you can pre-order from anywhere. BookSoup's an LA bookstore. You can find it online, but you can, you can pre-order from anywhere. I don't care. Pre-order from wherever you want. Email the, the screenshot of the receipt to Melissa, uh, no, to eating alone in my car at gmail.com, eating alone in my car at gmail.com. And here's what's going to happen. Um, oh fuck. I forgot to do the drawing for this week. Okay. I'm going to do two for next week. I'm such an asshole. I can't believe I forgot to do it. The eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Well, anyway, so, all right. So here's what you get. You get, I'm going to do like a birthday spectacular thing. That's like, um, I don't know. I don't know how spectacular it'll be, but it's got, I'm going to do like a live shot, video shot, like a live zoom shot. So you'll get the link for that. That'll be, it's going to happen towards the end of August. Um, we're also, I'm also going to, I'm like, we, it's me. I'm going to also tape it. Um, so that if you like, can't, you know, get on at that time, you can watch it. Um, so that's one thing is the zoom shod, um, zoom live shod birthday spectacular. Um, I don't know what it's going to entail. Maybe reading some poems, but I don't know. Maybe we'll just hang out eating, eating alone. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is that you will be entered to win, um, like a signed tie-dyed copy of So Sad Today and a bunch of shit for my house, which I was supposed to do a drawing today and next week and the following. So three people, I completely forgot to check the email. So I'm going to look at the email and I'm going to, there'll be two people get announced next week. Okay. I promise you, I'm not trying to, um, not be like good. I just, um, have, I just haven't felt like, like, doing anything but the bare minimum and I forgot to check that the email 
but I'm going to. And then they will be sent out next week. And then the following week, I'll do one more person. So enter to win. Yay. Shit for my house. Signed copy of tie-dye British version of Suicide Day. Woo. Okay. I'm going to, um, I'm going to go, uh, to the park now. Um, wishing you, um, wishing that this week you get to inhabit all the realms past or present dead or alive that you'd like to inhabit. And I'll see you on the flip side. That's all. Bye-bye.